that. All right, um, this morning we're going to talk about um, authority. Isn't that a great subject? As soon as you say it, there's kind of a weight that comes or should come to you. Uh, we live in a day and age where some people do not recognize authority in our, in our culture. We have lived for about a 15-year period of time where it seems that people have been against all kinds of authority. Now, I don't care which side of the political spectrum you fall on, but when you start throwing stuff at police officers that are trying to keep you safe, that is an authority problem, not a political problem. When, when, you, start, when you start undermining authority and the things that keep us safe and the things that keep us as an orderly nation, as an orderly society, and you start undercutting that, you have started to deconstruct the structure of authority in our community. And that is a very dangerous thing to do, very dangerous thing to do. And it doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, that is a truth that crosses both political spectrums, and it actually crosses even into the Bible. So, so authority, this, this sermon today um, is, is really important in that particular regard. Um, in fact, this week, um, there was a situation where police officers, stuff was thrown at them, and, and it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So we need to, as God's people, um, respect the authority structures that are in our society, and actually the Bible teaches us to submit to those. And it teaches us not to undermine them, but to submit to those powers because they are put in place by God in order to keep our society in order, um, in order to keep it safe, and in order for justice to happen. Justice cannot happen if there's chaos, if, if you undermine it all. It, it just cannot happen if it's um, chaos. So accountability, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, authority has a lot to do with accountability in society. And everybody is accountable to someone else. And so this message is, is really about authority. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. I'm going to give you four examples in Numbers where authority was challenged. And as we look at these, I want you to recognize that First of all, it's God that brings people into power and takes people out of power and puts people into positions and take, takes people out of positions. I want you to notice that, number one. And number two, I want you to notice how God feels when that authority is being undercut. So Numbers um, chapter 12 is where we're at first. And this is, this is chapter 12. Great. So... What is happening in chapter 12 is there's these two people named Aaron and Miriam. Aaron and Miriam are the older brother and sister of Moses. In fact, it's Miriam that put Moses in a basket. That's how much older she is. Put her in the Nile where, you know, the Egyptian was, we're not going to go, but nonetheless, he got found, okay? So, so that is his family members. Now, we all know from the Pentateuch that Moses is called of God, Right? He's called of God. He's supposed to be leading. And in this passage of scripture, Aaron and Miriam decide that they are equal with Moses. They are equal with Moses. And in fact, they decide that God speaks through them as equally as he speaks through Moses. So in chapter 12, verse 7, it says this. 
not so, God is speaking. Let's skip up to verse six, sorry. And he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Verse eight, with him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? That's a sobering question, isn't it? And this is his brother and sister that are speaking against him. Why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And I want to let you know something. Biblically, if you speak against the powers that God has put into play, you are not really speaking against those powers. You're speaking against the judgment of God that put those powers into those positions. Yeah. And so here he asks that question. Now this This ends with Miriam (laughs) being sent out of the camp because she has leprosy for seven days, okay? And then she's able to come back into the camp, and you never hear of Aaron, and you never hear of Miriam ever doing this ever again. I don't think I would either, especially if I had leprosy the last time I did it, right? Right? Actually, I think it would be great if that would to happen to people in our culture. Right? From time to time. I would tell you this, there's coming a day, I kind of said that in a joking way, there's coming a day where Jesus sets up his kingdom and it's gonna be justice after justice after justice for a thousand years. And he's gonna set up that reign and he's gonna handle it all. So anyway, verse uh, chapter 14, turn over there, this is another one. Um, chapter 14, the people are about to go into the promised land and there's these 12 spies that come back. You're familiar with the story. And 10 of them say not to go up and two of them say to go up. Well, God says, well, none of you are gonna go up. That's over the age of 20. And so there's an immediate judgment because they didn't follow, not the 10 spies that went in, but they didn't follow the command of God who was sending them into the promised land. This has to do with God, has to do with Moses, has to do with Aaron pronouncing that it's time to go and the people just saying no. So they decide not to, and then they feel the weight of that, and then here's what they do. Instead of, instead of settling in to the fact that they're not going to be able to go into the promised land, they decide to go into the promised land with their own power. Is everybody tracking? So, so we're not going to go into the promised land. Then there was judgment. Then we're all, oh, my goodness. Um, no, no, no. We'll go into the promised land. We're going to get an army together, and, and we're going to do it now. It's kind of like when you ask your kid, not really, but kind of, when you ask your kid to clean your room, and then they're about to get, you know, in trouble, whatever, however you define that trouble. And then they say, no, 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 I'll, I'll clean my room really quick. No, it's way too late to clean your room at that point. Right? It's just way too too late because you, yeah, right. So it was way too late. So in chapter 14, verse 42, Moses, who loves the people, says this to them. Verse 42, do not go up for the Lord is not among you, lest you be struck down before your enemies. And do you know what they did? They went up anyway. 
So they wouldn't listen to him when he told them they should go into the land. Then when the judgment came, they wouldn't listen to him after he said, you don't need to go up because you're going to be, God's going to break bad on you. And you know what happened? God broke bad on them. And it did not work out too well. So they went against authority. Turn over to Numbers chapter 16. This is Korah's rebellion. Does anybody remember who Korah is? Korah is the people last week in the temple that's able to carry the holy stuff that's covered. So, like, if, you, if you're thinking in terms of people that are called to different positions, that's a pretty important position to be in that God calls you to. And so when the, when the tabernacle breaks down, they're supposed to carry the holy items that are covered. Not look at them, not touch them, just carry them with the coverings. And that was like second to the high priest, which was Aaron, Aaron and his gang, right? So they have a pretty high calling. So here in chapter 16, um, they decided to rebel. And in verse 16, verse 1, it says, Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abram, the sons of Elab, and on the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with the number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. You can underline that. They convinced 250 well-known men And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far, for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? First of all, there's a misunderstanding here. People that are called did not exalt themselves. I think it's good for me to be reminded of that. If, if you're called into ministry, if you're called to be a deacon of the church, if you're called to be an elder of the church, if you're called into some type of position like that, you are chosen of God, not because you are more holy than everybody else, but because God just decided to choose you. However, on the flip side of that, we need to recognize that people are called of God. Are you tracking and so, so as a people, we need to recognize that there's people called of God. It's not because they somehow are more holy than we are. It's for some reason that we don't really know, but God knows, and he's placed them in a position, and that's the position he placed them in. So it works both ways. The guy that gets called needs to remember that, hey, I'm no better than Bob. Oh, we have a Bob, sorry. I always use Bob. I'm no better than Bob, right, that's sitting here. But God has called me to a place, and the people that are in the church need to realize that that person is called, and you need to be very careful. So in verse, chapter 16, verse 19, it says this, Then Korah assembled all the congregation against them at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O God, that the God of the spirits of all flesh shall one man sin, and will you be angry with all the congregation? And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, say to the congregation, get away from the dwelling of Korah, Dothan, and Abram. It's not Abram, it's Abram. 
Then Moses arose and went to Dathan and Abram, and the elders of Israel followed him. So to make a long story sort of short, skip down to 31, verse 31, which says this, And as soon as he had finished speaking these words, it's Moses, the ground under them split apart, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. So God solved the issue, but he didn't just stop there. The 250 well-versed men also have a plague that breaks out in the congregation of Israel, and it's Aaron that has to stand in between the plague and the rest of the people to get that to stop. Why is this? Because God is very, very serious about the positions of authority that he has placed in society. He's just very serious about it. And so this is, this is a testament to what, what um, happens. So anyway, Numbers chapter 20. Go over there. Numbers chapter 20. It's in this chapter that Moses, the called man of God, gets very angry at the people, <laughs> the children of Israel. He gets extremely angry. Um, an, old, an old pastor, because they're older than me, has once said, if Moses and God had got angry at the people at the same time, it would have been disastrous for the children of Israel, very disastrous. But here Moses is upset. God tells him to speak to a rock so that water comes out. But this is what happens. Verse 10, then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. So this is Moses, who didn't go up against the authority of anybody that was in a position, but he went up against the authority of of God, and therefore he was not allowed to go into the land. So God, just to kind of review, takes authority and the positions that he places people in very, very seriously. Now, you might not get leprosy, and the ground up underneath you might not swallow all you and your goods in your house. That might not happen, but God has taken note when we rebel against the authorities that he has placed into our lives. He put them there so that we can live and, um, and live in a good environment. So that said, I want to move into something that um, has this concept but is more of today, okay? Now, don't, it's not going to be like last week, so don't get your hopes up. Okay, it's not going to be like last week. Okay, so there's institutions and there's, there's orders that God has placed in society. I'll move this back a little bit. First is the family. Right? All right. Um, 
this is Greek for family, okay? So, so it's, it's family, all right? Man, I really practice doing that too, F-A-M-I-L-Y. Oh, it's the Y that's backwards. Well, we're not going to make it a tree. Okay, we're going to go on. The next thing that he puts into play is government. Now, we don't like this too much because there's some things that the government does that we don't agree with biblically, right? But we're going to probably not get into all of that, a little bit of it maybe, but government is, is a place that God controls stuff. There's also the church. Right? There's also the church. So God has a, has a leadership structure in the church that he's very serious about. And then you have business. See how I did that? Yeah. That was, that was pretty impressive. So then there's business. So each one of these have a leadership structure. Every single one of these leadership structures is under this guy. Nope. <laughs> I apologize to him for misspelling it or doing it. Yeah. Okay, here we go. So he's over all of these, right? He's over all of these. So real quickly, I'm going to give you um, how he's over all of these, how he has structured every single one of these. All right, first. Family, I'm going to tell you this is not popular, but it's right. Okay, is everybody cool? Not popular, but right, and it's right according to Scripture. In the family, it's the husband is the head of the home, as Christ is the head of the church. It is the wife that is submissive to the husband, but is still in a leadership position, and then it's children that are supposed to obey, obey both of their parents. That's how he has it set up. That's how he has it set up. Government, in our particular society, you know, it is, from a human perspective, unfortunately, people in Washington, okay? It's our president, it's, it's the Congress, it's the judicial system, that, that is above us. On a more local level, it is um, <laughs> mayor, I'm just laughing a little bit because there seems to be mayors of everything. Mayors and, and like police officers and sheriffs and, and, and people of that nature on a local level, government that we submit to. Uh, to the church, it's, it's pastor elders, deacons, and church members. That's how he has it set up. I, I didn't make the rules. It's just how he has it set up. And then in business, it's the person that owns the business and it's the people that work for the business. Now, these scriptures have more to do, like when you go in the Bible and you find this one, it's more to do with people that had, had slaves or bond servants. We have a false conception of what that actually looked like in the first century. Um, I don't want to get into that right now, but it's very similar to what we do now. You just get to choose where you live. Okay? You just get to choose where you live. We've always had masters. We've always had people working for those masters, servants or whatever, and it's, and it's that thing. So, so um, I know, I know. So that's business. So I am going to talk a little bit about family, and what, the way I want to start this is with this great 
Andy Griffin clip, okay? So this is about a four-minute clip, and then we're going to jump in into some of the stuff. So go, if you can show that clip. I want to let you know something today. Authority and the teaching of that authority does not happen here. It does not happen here. It does not happen here. It happens here. And what we have done as a society is we have allowed this to be broken up and torn down. And the authority structure that is here weakened. That's what we've allowed to do. Now, I want to be clear. I am not talking about divorce. I'm not talking about split families. I'm talking about how we treat the head of the household. For many years now, we see TV shows where men are laughed at, men are looked at like they're stupid, and I'm here to tell you today that men are not stupid. They're not stupid. Just because they do not think like women does not make them stupid. It just makes them different. No more than women thinking the way that they do, and I'm like, what? It doesn't make them stupid. Both sexes, male and female, are very intelligent. They just demonstrate that intelligence differently. And so what we've allowed to happen is we've allowed an attack in Christianity as well, if you watch the Christian films. We've allowed the man to be attacked over and over and over and over and over again. And not only are we watching it on our screens, but in our home, we are also attacking him when he's trying to do what he thinks is right for the family. In Scripture, it is the man that is the head of the household. It is him. Does the woman have input? Yeah, of course, because we feel like we have to say that. Why do we feel like we have to say that? Because we have adopted an unhealthy view of the family. It is not right to say he might be the head, but I'm the neck. That is you usurping your authority where it should not be. (laughs) And I stand behind that statement. (laughs) It is. All those things that we say like that is is just making and weakening the authority structure that God has put into place. Is there anything more special about your husband than you on a human surface? No. But is it it God that chose for him to be the leader of the home? Yes. And that is a huge responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. Women, same way. Guys, as head of the household, we cannot say to our children, I just do not understand your mama. We cannot do that. She is in an authority position that God has placed her in to be the mom and parent of those children, and we as leaders need to support her in her decisions. Now, we might think that she's crazy. Okay, come on, come on. We might think she's crazy. Don't tell me that the women don't think the men are crazy. We, we think each other are crazy. It's just part of marriage, right? I think Nicole's crazy sometimes. And she is, and she thinks I'm crazy, and she's incorrect. She's just incorrect, okay? So, th- so that's how it goes. But when we undermine the lady, the wife, the mother, and her position in the family, she actually loses control of the kids. 
because then they start thinking, mom's crazy, and she doesn't know what she is doing. Is everybody tracking? So you, you are a team, a husband and wife team. That is how God has it set up. It is a team where the woman is the helpmate to the man. You talk, you, you talk through things, you, you decide on things. But if push comes to shove, it is he that guides the family. If I was really to push women into a corner, they really maybe, I guess, would want maybe leadership in the home. My wife tells me that she does want that leadership. Now, I don't know why she tells me that. Maybe it's a manipulation. Maybe it is. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if she was telling me that or not. It is my God-given responsibility to guide my family in the way that they should go and be the man and, and lead. It's not that I don't listen. It's not that I'm king. It's not that I'm, I'm, I do it with a pride. It's a submission. Because in Scripture, not only does it say that I'm the head of the household, but it also says that I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church, and laid down his life for her. In other words, my decisions that I make is not just for the benefit of me, it's for the benefit of the whole family. And even if my family doesn't understand why this decision is the way that we should go, I still make it knowing that it's for the betterment of the family, not just me. Is everybody tracking? In our Christian society, we have got to get to where we respect the man of the house, we respect the woman of the house, and we get back to the way that God outlines this authority. And this also means that when it comes to children, there are some things that children should not get away with. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm the world's worst disciplinarian when it's not a kid named Aurora and Quinn. So, so in the church, it's very difficult for me to tell another kid that they're doing something wrong, okay? Is everybody, right? So, so if, if, I have, if I do that, it's because it's, it's something that needs to be, hand, I mean, it, I just try to stay away from that because that is really not my position. My position is to make sure that the dad and the mom have the power to take care of whatever the kid is doing at home. Come on. It, it is your responsibility. So if, if there's a kid that decides to bungee jump off the top of the building, like the steeple where the cross comes out, which would be absolutely fun to do, but you, you jump off the building, it is the parent's responsibility. Now, I need to tell them, I need to try to prevent it. There's stuff that I'm going to do, but it's the parent's responsibility to discipline that child. It's not mine. I think what we have also done as a family is mom and dad has started relying on the school system to discipline their kid. They have started relying on um, police officers to discipline their kid. They have started relying on the church to discipline their kid. They've started relying on other people in society to do the very job that they are called to do. You are called to be the parent. I am secondary, the church is secondary, your school system is secondary to that. It is your responsibility to maintain authority in your home. It is your responsibility. This is not a structure that society has put into place. This is a structure that God has put into place in his word. And whether you agree with it or not, it is right. 
it is right. So when we talk about um, just like Andy Griffith did, I don't, I don't know what happens in your home, but when he gets out on the sidewalk, I have to deal with him. What he's saying there is, if you would take care of that at home, <laughs> I would not have to take care of it here. Um, I was, I used to, I went to Piedmont Bible College back in the day, and I used to work across the, st- across the street at Salem Daycare in the afternoons. And um, when I came in, they were having, <clears throat> they were having problems with, with kids fighting every afternoon, okay? Now, this is long before I had children and be, before I got to where I just went into grandparent mode with all kids. So I, I went over there, fighting went down, but there was this one kid that every, every week, I mean, every day, actually, he would continue to push the limits. He would continue to push people down. He would continue to do stuff. So every day when his mom picked him up, he was standing in the corner. And I made them put their nose in the corner because I'm old school. You put your nose in the corner, hands behind your back, and you stand like this, and you're going to stay there until your mom gets here. I know I'm a horrible person, but you do not know that kid. <laughs> so, so the mom came in one time, and she said, she said, Philip, I, I just don't appreciate the fact that my son is in the corner every day when I pick him up. And I looked at her and said, well, if you would take care of this at home, I wouldn't have to take care of this here at daycare. Silence. <laughs> I never had another problem from that kid. Why? Because when you take care of it at home, it doesn't find itself out in society. Um, I don't know about you, but with, with our kids, they are worse at home than they are outside of the house. Sometimes you wonder if they have more respect for people outside of your home than they do for you. You know what I mean? Because, man, sometimes they can make you pull your hair out. They can make you, oh, my goodness, what is going on? I can't control these kids. And then you have some joker come up and say, oh, Quinn is the most wonderful person we've ever met in our life. He's just such a Christian boy, and he always, you know, obeys, and he's really nice to people and stuff like that. And it took me a while to figure out, because I was doing the battle at home, he's acting right outside of the home. Now, does this always work? No, but I tell you, it's a very small percentage of the time that it doesn't. And so if you're doing the battle at home to maintain and teach them how to go, when they get outside here, there's going to be people that absolutely love them. And it's a testimony to the job that you're doing as a parent. Inside your home, you're going to feel like you're failing, like nobody's business, right? But when you see them outside of the home turning into people of God and people of respect and people that people like, you have actually done your job. If you don't take anything else away from here today, you need to take away, first of all, you need to treat men better in your home. And second of all, you need to know that your kids doing your battle at home is better than not doing it. And you are doing a good job. And you might think that they, oh my goodness, I'm worried about them and they're doing all kinds of stuff in their house and you just don't understand it and you're just getting very frustrated, but you need to understand that you do the battle here so that when they go here, 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 or in society, they're actually the people that they're supposed to be. Kids have to be taught. Kids have to be taught. 
And I'm going to do my best to teach them, but it's nothing compared to mom and dad. Now, I'm going to back up here. There are broken homes, right? There are broken homes. There are homes where the dad has left, and the mom's taking care of the kids, and there's families where the mother has left, and dad is taking care of the kids. In those particular situations, here's the deal. If you're the dad with the kids, no matter when you have them, you're in charge. If the uh, mother has the kids and the dad somewhere, the mother is in charge. You need to realize that when you have your kids, you are to be in charge. Your children, don't throw anything at me, do not need another friend. They need a parent. They need a parent that loves them, that talks to them, that guides them in the way that they should go. They don't need another buddy. They don't need another buddy. They need somebody guiding their path. So if you are alone and you're the dad and you have them, I don't know, three days, and you just feel like you just don't want to get on to them because you don't see them that much, you are doing them a disservice in society if you do not take care of their discipline issues. If you are a mom and you're thinking, man, all during the week, I work during the day, I get home at night, it's just really tiring, and I just don't want to tell them no anymore. You need to understand that you're doing your child a disservice when you do not tell them no. A big disservice. So be the mom and dad God wants you to be. Be the parents God wants you to be. Grab a hold of that position of authority in your home and do something with it. Guide them in the way that they should go. Teach them how they should treat people. I believe with all my heart, the answer to bullying in in school starts here. I believe that, uh, that drugs and alcohol and everything else that they can get involved in, it starts here. It starts here. The direction and the teaching all starts right here. Amen? This is where it starts. So, just a couple of things, and then we're going we're gonna to end this, okay? If you're wondering why the ground up underneath you seems to be opening up and you're falling into it, chances are you've undermined authority and you're no longer on solid ground. You can underline the authority of your spouse. You can underline the authority of the people that are over you. You can undermine the authority just in yourself by not being the person that you should be for your children, for your family. Are you, are you tracking? And if you feel like you're, you're on shaky ground, it's probably because there's something happening here to where you, I don't want you to feel bad, but I'm just going to say where you need to step up and do your job. You need to do your job, your job. Um, I am very, very fortunate. I'm very fortunate in my house. I have an amazing wife and mother. I would not want to trade her for anybody at all, period. She's absolutely amazing. She spends so much time instructing my kids. She spends so much time on the phone with them. And to be honest with you, the first person they go to is not necessarily me. It's her. And the reason that is is because she has spent the most time with them. Now, does this mean that I haven't spent time with my kids? 
Of course I've spent time with my kids. Of course I've set them down and talked to them. But there is something different between dad sitting down and talking with them and mom sitting down and talking with them. Right? There's just something totally different. Now, if it gets to where, I didn't mean to go this far into it, but if it gets to where that there's a lot of drama going on in my house and and there's drama happening, that is immediately when I step in. Because I don't do drama, I do destiny. Do you understand what I mean by that? We allow drama to happen in our house, and what do you think is going to happen when when Aurora and her little girlfriends, of course, she's not even girly, girlfriends, you know, start having a fuss, there's going to be drama there. You have to take care of it here. Look, you can't say all this. You can do all this drama. This is what's happening, and this is how you need to handle it. And then we move on. When you start doing that, it's something. It's, it's something. But I do destiny, not drama. I do destiny, not drama. Where are my kids going to be tomorrow if I do not handle this today? Are you tracking? Yeah. So, authority. Dad, got to be the man. Ladies, you got to be the woman and do not undermine your, your husband's authority. Men, do not undermine your, your wife's authority in front of the children. Don't do that. And children... Obey your parents because this is right in the sight of the Lord. In the sight of the Lord. All right, that's it. That's all I got. Let's pray.